is fair and good. They saw whole lollipops and rainbows. We don't do lollipops and rainbows. We know those are pretty colors that just hide what the world really is. Black and white. Soon they shall save us. And we will whisper. ourselves that they were gone but they were just hibernating they came for everybody all please coordinated simultaneous attacks at the homes of Tulsa PD so the cops hide their faces and now the bad guys don't know where they live and who doesn't want a secret identity people who wear masks are dangerous should be scared of them. Why? Because they're hiding something. Watchmen premieres Sunday, October 20th, 2019 on HBO. So in honor of the new series starring Regina King, I present to you The Vigilant Minority. The Vigilant Minority is a carefree black nerd review podcast covering the 1986 comic book series Watchmen. <laughs> I'm your host, Rain Coleman, and this is The Vigilant Minority, Chapter 1, At Midnight, All the Agents. Now guys, when you're listening to this show, please live tweet and comment using the hashtag TVMPod or Vigilant Minority Pod. This podcast is available on your favorite podcast listening apps, so please be sure to leave a 5-star rating and review. This does help the podcast to show up in the Apple Podcast algorithms and whatnot. Check out the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all that good stuff. On to the episode. Alright y'all, chapter one, At Midnight All the Agents. This episode, or issue rather, of Watchmen was released at first on September of 1986, so we've reached the 33 year mark already. Now, the creative team for this series has been the same. It is the writer, Alan Moore, illustrator slash letterer, Dave Gibbons, colorist, John Higgins. Okay, guys, so we open up on October 12th, 1985, Pitcher, Sicily. <laughs> no, okay, so two police detectives investigate the murder of one Edward Blake. Edward Blake was thrown out of his apartment window by an unknown assailant. Now, later, Rorschach, a former costumed hero turned vigilante, investigates the crime scene. After the police leave, of course, he discovers that Edward Blake was in fact the secret identity of the government-sponsored mask named The Comedian. Now, the masks are the kind of vigilante superhero types uh, who wear a mask. That's case in one mask. So, with this, we open up with the iconic smiley face button with the blood on it and Rorschach's journal lets us know it's October 12th, 1985. And I love the text. I love the text box. I like the narration. I like everything about this book, honestly. A lot of books that are older, for me, the aesthetic, I understand where it's coming from. Like this is the, they walk so the current comics could run so to speak. Um, but I don't always like the older comics, the way they look. I, I just, a lot of it just doesn't resonate with me. 
This book, however, I loved every bit of it. Now, two things. I've never read Watchmen before. I've only seen the movie. I may have seen an issue or panel or two from the original Watchmen run before, but I've never dived deep into the, the book until now. So either this is amazing artwork or I've just been so used to reading comics and then I've gained an appreciated appreciation in my older years that even going back and reading some different before, I just have a fondness for it. But I think it's really the latter that this is, uh, the former rather, that this is just a good piece of work, like altogether, uh, scripting, um, text, uh, artwork, uh, colors, um, illustration. I think the story, everything is just as good. And um, at the time of this recording, I've only read the first chapter. I'm trying to do this piece by piece so I can kind of uncover all of the hidden gems and stuff with the rest of you guys. If you haven't already read this for yourself. That being said, we got blood being washed, power washed off of the sidewalk. And the camera kind of pans out from the close up on this button to this, I'll say 20 something floor building where there's a window cracked open or busted open. And there's the two detectives and they're talking. It's like, you know, they're pretty much investigating what's going on. And we get these flashes of what happened. Now, we don't know. If this is what actually happened, like how the events unfolded or like, cause it's one of two things. Either this is exactly how it happened or as the investigate, the detectives are discussing the crime, their kind of deduction of what happened is being played out. So, um, because they do kind of toggle back and forth on it, it needs to be, it had to have been more than one person because he was so big. We are to assume that this is the actual events, how they occurred. So, and they're shown in this like blood red, uh, hued panels. Very good. Even this iconic throwing him out of the window, the comedian, that panel, whoo, man, that is something else. So, um, they go down to the ground floor and they're discussing this. And the one guy's like, shouldn't we, um, Pretty much the one detective wants to get kind of knees deep into it. Like, it ain't money. Yeah, a little bit of money was stolen, but not a whole lot. It's a big dude. It had to be some type of inside job, outside job, terrorist hit, something. And the other guy's like, look, we don't need all this attention. This is just something that happened. It's unfortunate, but they really got shit to do with us. So we're going to keep this moving. Um, uh, people die every day, B. Like, it, it's just, he's like, you don't want this to get out and then bring more kind of unnecessary in his opinion unnecessary or unwanted um warranted rather um like conversation uh conversation or participants in this type of activity so you know i i see both of them and both sides but i'm like Nigga, you it's your job to take care of this like why wouldn't you want to figure out if someone is out here you know murdering folks but Whatever. So they walk past this guy holding a sign that says the end is near Nai No I don't know. It's kinda of cut off. And one of the detectives kind of shudders. This is a disheveled, kinda homeless looking guy, red hair, white guy, whatever. We move on to Rorschach and him in doing his investigating. And I like this because again I've seen the film and it was like, like I wasn't really I could take it or leave it. I didn't really care for it. But reading this first issue was 
it's like when you see a movie, but you know the book is better. You know, or if you hear a cover of a song, and then you like the song, but then you realize it was done by someone else, and like, oh, this original sounds pretty good as well. And that's kind of how it was. Like, I wish I had read this before seeing the movie. So, we move on to Dan Dryberg, is what I'm going to call him. He's also known as the Night Owl. He returns from a social call with the long-retired costume hero, Hollis Mason, who was the original Night Owl. <laughs> now, he finds Rorschach has broken into his apartment. And there is Rorschach with this Rorschach mask doing his Rorschach shit, sitting there eating cold beans from a can, which was the silliest goddamn thing. So uh, Rorschach lets Dryberg know that the comedian was murdered and that he suspects it's part of a larger plot to kill off other former mass heroes. Now for this one, Dryberg tells Rorschach that he's just being paranoid, which to me, okay, knowing it's a comic book and knowing there's a lot more to come, I was like, okay, clearly he's not. But with the events that we've been presented with here, I was like, eh, what? Like there has been no other murder of a masked or former masked superhero or vigilante. So why the hell would you think this is like a serial killer? But then I'm like, is he supposed to be the Batman of this Watchmen universe? Eh, I don't know. So, um, you know, they reminisce over over old times and when they both were heroes. And one of the things which gives me a very uh, noir, this must be a Batman, whatever, is that they're sitting here in the basement. Rorschach is in his Rorschach mask and trench coat. And then Dan Dreidberg is in just like a suit and tie, you know. And uh, there's a, a locker that has his old uniform in it. And there is like a tunnel, like Meteor Man, like an underground tunnel that leads into, it's either a tunnel or like a walk. Either way, they're walking. And so Rorschach's like, you know, anyway, I just thought I'd let you know that somebody might be gunning for people who have met, who used to be superheroes. Um, you know, got, got, I got things to do. Dan's like, yeah, well, the tunnel brings you out in the warehouse two blocks north. Like, yeah, I remember I used to come here, you know, back in the day when we was partners. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, those were great times, Rorschach, great times. I wonder whatever happened to them. And he's like, you quit. I mean, that's what happened. Like, let's not act brand new. You quit. And he fades off into the background, which I, I like that. So, again, this is making me wish I had have read this book before I actually saw the movie. Because the movie, it was okay. I'll probably watch it again and see if it, you know, was actually good or not. But... All right, so moving on, after Rorschach enters a bar and unsuccessfully interrogates some locals for leads on the murder, he pays a visit to his former costume hero billionaire, Adrian Veet. Now, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. It's V-E-I-D-T, um, so I probably won't be saying his name going forward, but this is the hero known as Ozymandias. Now, before going that far, at the bar, this man walks in and has the bartender shook i mean as soon as he opens the door he's like uh uh how you doing uh, uh fine uh, uh uh please don't kill anybody and it's like <laughs> how many times has he been here fucking stuff up for you young man like what <laughs> i love it so the interesting thing is after we see the fear first of all we see the the surprise faces of the patrons as Rorschach walks to the bar we see the bartender shook and then He's like, he being Rorschach, 
Um, you know, a guy went sidewalk diving Friday night. I don't think it was alone when he happened. Name was Edward Blake, friend of mine. So as he says that, this random kind of drunk guy is like, hey, you hear that? He's got friends. Must have changed his deodorant. If everybody is shook at the mere existence of this man, you ain't whispering. You that Billy badass that you're going to talk shit about Rorschach in his face. So he walks over. His friend's like, man, shut the hell up. Rorschach walk over. And this is something that, again, I don't recall if it was in the film because I just remember having seen it. I don't remember anything but the opening credits. That's it. Like that opening cinematic scene. That's all I remember. So Rorschach grabs the guy's pinky, pulls that motherfucker back. Dude screaming like, look, I just broken this gentleman's little finger. Who killed Edward Blake? Nobody has an answer. He breaks his index finger. Who killed Edward Blake? These folks are like, please, please, I don't know, man. Leave him alone. It's, it, that, it's such a funny thing. So, again, I don't know. I don't remember if it showed up in the film or not. But I, I hope with this new HBO series we get maybe not this beat for beat because I, my understanding is that the new film uh, the new series is 30 years past the events of the Watchmen, the original series. So, I'm hoping that we get something similar. Cause I like that. That was cool. He didn't kill that man. He did what the bartender said. But he got, you know, some answers. Well, he got his point across. So, going back to Ozymandias. Now, um, he also visits uh, John Osterman, who is Dr. Manhattan, and Lori Jusbezik. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. J-U-S-P-E-C-Z-Y-K. The Silk Spectre. To warn them about the mass killer as well. None of them really take him seriously. Now, Azamandius, um, I don't really know his deal. I know that he's supposed to be like the smartest guy in the world or something like that. Or most intelligent. I think they they, they harped on intelligent. And he's interesting. Um, white guy, blonde hair, uh, tall, stoic. Um, conventionally attractive and the interesting thing here is that there's a lot of newspaper uh, floating around the book as I read to kind of letting you know how the world is there's one on Ozymandias's desk it says uh, nuclear doomsday clock stands at 5 to 12 warns experts so you know that may come back later but the interesting thing about them is that Ozymandias essentially took off his mask years ago and kind of made it looks like a fortune off of it he has toy deals and uh what did he say um Rorschach kind of called him out about <sighs> Jesus he's talking to him about the comedian and Ozymandias talks about how the comedian was practically a Nazi and Rorschach's rebuttal is he stood up for his country. He never let anybody retire him, never never cashed in on his reputation. And it's like he giving these subtle digs at Ozymandias while he's just sitting there taking it. Um, he never set a company, set up a company selling posters and diet books and toy soldiers based on himself. He never became a prostitute. If that makes him a Nazi, you might as well call me a Nazi too. So even though I'm enjoying the story, and it's, it's, it's a solid story, some stuff like that seeps in and I'm like what the fuck is even going on so Ozymandias is not he does not move he's just sitting there with his hand on the shin like yeah well um I know we were never friends but you're being unfair nobody retired me I chose to quit 
adventuring and going into public two years before the police strike made the knee act necessary. Knee K-E, oh, Keen, excuse me, Keen Act, K-E-E-N-E. So I'm thinking that's like the registration um, act over at Marvel where the people had to reveal who they were. I'm thinking that's what it is. Um, I, I kind of like him. Kind of like him. Not really sure what he's up to, but uh, Rorschach's silly ass leaves out the window. Now, while he's walking to the Rockefeller Military Research Center where Dr. Manhattan and the Silk Spectre are, he says something about thinking that Ozymandias is gay and to remind himself to further investigate that. You know, he says, possibly homosexual. Must remember to investigate further. It's like, nigga, what are you even... What is even going on? <laughs> so, I, I, that was interesting. I'm trying to give this book the space to exist in 1985, 86. But still, it's like, eh, some of this shit is kind of weird. Like, why? Mm, whatever. So, while speaking with Dr. Manhattan and Lori, who's Lori Jupiter, and she makes it a point to let her know, let him know, it's not Jupiter, it's Jusapigzik. I'm going to butcher that, but it's her other name. She said, because my mother intentionally gave us the name Jupiter to hide the fact that we were Polish. Motherfucker, we Polish. That's just what it is. Now, the interesting thing comes in here where the comedian apparently attempted to rape Lori's mother back in the day when him and her mother were on the same superhero team. Now, there's a few panels that are dedicated to this conversation. And it was so odd. So Dr. Manhattan, very stoic, very matter of fact, um, emotional Lori. She's uh, very upset behind this. And Rorschach, who is very dismissive. So at one point, he refers to the sexual assault as a moral lapse. Now, even for the time, this seems to be a bit of a hot take where that comment enrages Lori, understandably so, who then demands that Rorschach leaves. He's like, no, nah, I ain't going nowhere. I came here to get answers. I'm here. She tells Dr. Manhattan, get him the fuck out of here. He blinks. Rorschach is talking shit. And then all, all of a sudden, he's the next panel. He's out of the room. And the next panel, he's back outside where he was when he broke into the medical research facility. So that was interesting. That was a good use of Rorschach's power, showing and not telling, showing his importance and the stubbornness and the kind of dismissiveness and all intents and purposes assholeness that is Rorschach like you rude as fuck like moral lapses this man tried to rape her mother you really gonna call it that ah man so Rorschach wanders uh, the streets of New York pondering the murder Dan and Lori meet for a late night dinner so um John Dr. Manhattan and Lori, the Silk Spectre, are married. She, He's very much emotionless, which I do remember from the film. Um, and she's like, you know what? Um, I was thinking about that Dan guy, Dan Dreedberg. We haven't seen each other in years. Maybe I'll call him and ask him to dinner if you don't mind. He's like, man, no, go on. Enjoy yourself. I'm going to do your thing. I'm working on this uh, metrical theory that if we conclude will be in bestial. I don't know. Some shit, some scientific stuff. So she's like, yeah, I'll call Dan. She calls Dan, uh, Rorschach looking at folks, walking the streets, it's raining, and then we go to the rooftop, excuse me, the, the a very swanky restaurant where Dan and Lori are talking. Now their conversation ends on the rooftop of this swanky restaurant. Now once there, Dan lays down the bloody yellow smiley face button from the comedian. He puts it on the ledge. 
And he and Lori, they recount this story of this like failed costume guy who pretended to be a villain just so he could beat up, he can get beat up, excuse me. And his went by the name of Captain Carnage. And I'm not sure if that'll come back later, but it was a fun little story. Now, <laughs> at the end, now this is what I do like about this book. It's very cinematic. And I've said it before on different um, stories and books and whatnot, but this one in particular, the way the camera kind of pans out, to this large expose this larger space around them and yet having that same intimate conversation throughout and so what happens is Lori um Lori and Dan are talking about the Captain Carnage and Lori asks you know while she's kind of laughing through it whatever happened to him so what happened was she beat him up one time he was breathing real weird and then he this after he robbed the jewelry store and then after Dan saw him and Dan was in his costume he tried to get Dan to beat him up Dan you know shooed him off rather and so Lloyd says you know whatever happened to him Dan says uh, well he pulled that same stunt on Rorschach and Rorschach dropped him down the elevator shaft now they the amount of laughter conveyed in this panel is ridiculous so they just laughing side splitting laughter so Lori apologizes. She's like, you know what? <sighs> that felt good. There don't seem to be many reasons to laugh these days. So Dan says, well, what do you expect? The comedian is dead. Bruh. That was a very fitting ending to this chapter. It's not even funny. Like, it's so perfect. Now, with this series, even though we know there are 12 chapters in all, this could have easily been the end. This could have been a one-shot, kind of dropping us right into the middle of an existing story and letting that be it. Now, I know that would not be as fulfilling or as satisfying, but that was a good, solid issue, and it makes me want to move on to the next one. Uh, kudos to Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, and John Higgins. This was superb. I feel even more prepared for the HBO show now. So tell me, guys, how do you feel about this chapter of Watchmen? Are you prepared for HBO's Watchmen a bit more? Are you interested in this? Was this satisfying to you? Do you, um, I don't know. Are you ready? Just let me know. Use that hashtag TVMPod. It will also be in the show notes. Um, that will be the official hashtag for the Carefree Black Nerd Review Show covering Watchmen. Uh, so use it when you're live tweeting the show on the 20th. Also, when you're listening to this episode, uh, my handle is Carefree Blurred. All other social media is Carefree Black Nerd. Email if you must. You can email me. Send me in some kind of, you know, some questions, comments, concerns. Um, carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. Uh, so, guys, until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and stay the hell away from Rorschach, or else he might throw you down an elevator shaft. <laughs> All right, y'all.